I will try to play with this a bit. Um, okay. Wow, it's quiet. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to keep this really short, so I'm going to do something I don't do often. In fact, I don't think I've ever done. I'm going to give you probably what people would say a prophetic word. I'm going to read first from Matthew, uh, no, John. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, three scriptures. Can you guys hear me? Okay, I feel like my voice is going out to the universe, <laughs> and I can't hear myself. Um, but okay, as long as you hear me, that is good. Okay, I'm going to read from John 3, 15, 16, 17. Then I'm going to go to Matthew, and then I'm going to go to Malachi. So to everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge or condemn the world but to save the world through him. I'm going then to read from Matthew 5. And I'm going to read verse 13 and 14. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled upon. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm going to read a couple of passages from Malachi. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. That's Malachi 3, verse 3. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and a laundress's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord. And in days gone by, as in days gone by, as in former years. And then I'm going to go to Malachi, um, the same uh, chapter, but verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard, a scroll, a scroll or a book of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord 
and honoured his name. When you and I gave our hearts to Jesus, we know that scripture, John 3.16, off my heart. But I realized it was, somebody was preaching on it, and I caught it online. I mean, they sent those little bites on your Facebook page, and you see a few of them. And a guy was preaching on this passage, and and it hit me. That most of the time, the only time we hear this passage is when we give our lives to Jesus. And then we forget about it for the rest of our walk with God. When the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, believing is a constant, everyday walk with Jesus. And I realize, I'm thinking, we do not actually go back to the scripture and realize that the requirement from the day we gave our lives to Jesus still stands. That we are required by the Lord to believe. One of the things about, because my calling is I'm an intercessor, one of the problems with being an intercessor is wherever you go, you absorb the agony and the pain of whatever that space is. And in doing that, I can sit in this room, I can go from left to right, I can talk to you, and I can tell you the most agonizing thing in your soul. And I can tap into it, and I can know, but one of the things about an intercessor as well is the fact that we tap into the heart of God and how he connects to that pain. We all, as human beings, when we came to God, we all have history that comes with us. Good history and bad history. And when we come to him, he begins to do what it says. He begins to refine. Refine, 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 refine. And in the refining process is the agonizing cry of what it is that God knows about the human race. We are in constant pain. We live in constant pain. We are put in the broken world where we encounter constant pain. And most of the time, the thing that we have to always constantly do is run to Jesus. But there is something about this whole thing of believing. We believe when the days are bad. We believe when we have no faith. We believe when we can't even believe. We still have to rise to believe. And there are days when believing is actually the hardest thing you'll ever be able to do in the most hardest situations. But believing is not a feeling. Believing is a choosing to stand on what God says is more true than what you're living through. 
I can, I mean, you know, when we talk about the history of Southside, this house, man, the amount of pain we have lived through, the amount of fights we've had, the disagreements, the agonizing, choosing to love each other even though we'd rather not, choosing to forgive when we'd rather not, choosing to know that that, what happened, really wounded us, but we still choose to rise, to love. It's like family, isn't it? <laughs> it really is like family, you know? Man, you know, you can't, you can't disown your family, <laughs> even though most of the time some of the things that happen, we wish we could. But there is this journey that God has put us on, and we have, you know, I know with what the Lord is doing in this land, there needs to be a group of people that God will refine to the point where he can stand and call her the presence of God to come to a nation, and he will come. Because we have fought, we have stood un, you know, the, the thing that Robin had been talking about, it with uncompromising. We are in the world, but not part of the world. We can be amongst the greatest sinners on earth and our conviction stays true because we choose that our heart will be faithful to Jesus. And the cry then that God is looking for is that he actually, that it will be a cry from the land to his ears where his presence will return and he will come. Because the most valuable thing that we have is eternity. Think about the people that you love the most, that you love and that you hold dear, close to your heart. Would you be in heaven? Would you want to be in heaven without them? Would you want to be in heaven without your nephews and nieces? Would you want to be in heaven without any of your grandchildren? Would you want to be in heaven without even your brothers and sisters and your siblings? Would you want to be there? Because it's one of the things the Lord has been talking to me about is like, Heaven would be hell if I went there and the people that meant the most to me are not going to be there. And there is this awakening then of that cry that the John 3.16 that we kind of happily say to the atmosphere and we never remember it again after we got saved. There is the agonizing cry in the heart of the Lord that the enemy is harvesting souls for hell and the church is falling behind. And he is crying for the land to rise, to claim his name again so that people who actually are being, that we stop the multitudes being sent to hell on our watch.
everything that we do, you know, that book of remembrance, I like that line, the book of remembrance. It's so poetic. I'm like, that's so cool. I wonder what that book looks like. Ah, you know, in heaven, it would be in there, you know, and I'm going, it'll be a big book, <laughs> a really big book. Um, and in it is recorded the deeds of the saints. The deeds of the saints is actually written in there. Every sacrifice that we do that nobody knows about, everything that we do in the presence of Jesus is written in that book. And I'm like, wow. I wonder, I wonder how many chapters, you know, I'm like, maybe it's just a line, you know, but it'd be nice to have my name in there somewhere. But I'm like, you know, but God remembers. He remembers. You know, it's one of the things that the Lord, because you know when you go through hell in those moments in your life and something hits you so high that you can't stand up, and then you're standing there and you go, I cannot remember anything that God has done for me this day. <laughs> you know, I can go through my history and go, but I can remember all the bad things that happened. You know, I can remember when this happened, but where was God? And da 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 And where was God? And da 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 And where was God? I can have chapters and chapters and chapters of my life. And I go, and where was God? And I'm like, oh. That's because I spent all my days meditating on all the things that are wrong with the world. And I forget to say, oh, but God did this, and God did this, and God did this. We have a bad habit of recording the bad and a really bad habit of not recording the good. And so our scale is like really, really the good is down here and the bad is up there. And when we're in trouble and we're going through difficulties, of course, when we turn around to look for something to try and hang on to hope for, there's that scale of wall of badness. <laughs> and you're going, oh, I don't think God exists anymore. Just look at that. Look. <laughs> and one of the things that is really important that the Lord himself does is he remembers. And it's one of the things we need to do is to remember Remember his goodness. You know, about 23 years of remembering <laughs> some moments you don't want to remember. <laughs> some things that happen you wish didn't happen. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you guys think that this is kind of like a, like a occurrence that only happens, you know, when, when, when noisy like this in worship. Think about having about... 10 years of it, every Sunday, and it was, it was like you come to church, and you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, if you were really, really one of those constant people that I like my service to go like this, and I want everything to be really in order, you pray, thank God that you weren't here then. <laughs> I mean, there were some really wild, wild days, you know. And, you know, the whole thing about dancing was like, try moving me. <laughs> and I, 
Because we've had those, we've had days when we had no chairs for worship. We had to walk around. Well, I didn't walk because I decided God is not asking me to walk, and I therefore I refused to walk. But go on, walk. And so we had marching around. We had some really wild worship times. And I'm thinking, man, <laughs> we were never a normal church. <laughs> and. And, you know, being someone, because we're, we're proper people. Like, everything has to be done in order and properly. <laughs> you're never going to do that because you embarrass the rest of us. So sit down. You know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, and so everything has to be. So, you know, when everything breaks out, you sit there and you go, Dear me, <laughs> you know, this is insulting my someoneness. You know, this is really not working for me this moment. You know, I'm I'm not really participating in that. You know, I can, um, yeah, um, if the Lord asked me to dance, yeah, but this moment is not going to happen. You know, and, and 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 so we've had to live through these diversity of moments where we're kind of like. I'm not really wired like that, you know, and by, oh yeah, we got insulted and we got offended, we got how many times, but at the end of it all, we understood one thing, we came to honor Jesus, we came to love on him, we came to rise from the ashes of our lives to hope again. Every time we come to church, every time, I don't care what's happening where there's a lot of noise, I come and I silence my mind and my heart and I quieten my soul and I find Jesus. Because everybody else can be doing whatever everybody else is doing, but when I come to church on a Sunday morning, I come to meet with Jesus. And when I leave that door, I want to leave knowing I met with Jesus. And because my life and your life and mine, we face stuff. We face stuff. And when we come to, to, to Sunday morning, we come with a desperation that we must connect with Jesus. We must. Because it's what's keeping us alive between Sundays. When we go out and you got jobs and you got people that you meet every day and some of them are demonized up to their eyeballs and you don't know what you can do to help them. And then you come back because you've given your last drop of life to sustain somebody. And then you come in here. Do not waste the time. When you come in here, come to meet with Jesus. Because we won't survive without it. And, you know, this morning we were coming to church and because, you know, the election just happened. And, of course, we know who won. And the first word that the Lord spoke to me this morning when I heard that news was, brace yourselves. Brace yourselves. Brace yourselves because while it looks like the country is secure, there is an undercurrent thing that's going against the spiritual grain that, it's, that, that, that we stand for. That undercurrent then will hammer your foundation of your faith. It's being hammered now. And the reason why church like this space exists 
so that when we come together, it's what a persecuted church looks like. When we come together, we come in desperation to meet with Jesus, to draw from Jesus, and to go out of this room knowing that Jesus is with you. Because we're going to need every drop of it in the next several years that are ahead. It's not, the country is going to be secure. There's going to be, the economy is going to be fine, all of that. But underneath it all, you and I's faith is being eroded out of the history of this land. And because of that, and it's us that are responsible to be the light to the world. One of the first things that the Lord said to me during the first lockdown was, I am going, I'm going into war mode, and what I am going to do, the war mode and the war position I'm holding the church to is not normal as to a normal battle. I am sprinkling the church across the face of this land like you would sprinkle salt over a meal. Because you and I are the salt to the earth, and we are the light to the world. As the world gets darker and the world becomes more established in its anti-God stance, you and I must be uncompromising. When, when we are uncompromising, you know, in Matthew 3, no, Matthew 5, the, the whole Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, blessed are, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I always go, so if my heart is really, really pure, I will literally, literally see God. Like, I, heavens will open, and there will be his throne, and I will see him, and I'll be like, woo <laughs> And I'm like, but how do you actually get your heart so pure like that that your eyes are just go bing? And, and I, the more I think about that, the more I realized the, mode, the most of the the more we love properly, the purer our hearts will be. And I don't mean a fluffy unicorn, fluffy teddy bear kind of love. No, I mean you choose to love somebody regardless. And they know you love them. When we work into actually refining the love and allowing God to refine the love, that's when all the gunk comes to the surface. All the gunk. The reason why that I don't choose not to sit next to that person on Sunday morning is because last month they said this to me and I have not, I am not going to sit next to them this week. And I'm not even going to say hello to them. And last year, and we have this history of stuff that cut, and the cuts are still there. We have lost people, we have lost people that we love with all of our hearts. You know, when I was thinking of, when we were talking, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like Dave was somewhere in the story, you know, <laughs> and his death is somewhere in the story. And I'm like, that, those things, leave mark on us, but we have to deal with them to get them cleaned up. When, when it says we are refined, it means God heals our grief. He heals our sorrows. He deals with our disappointments. He comes and he gives hope again. And we have to rise because in rising of our hearts being purified, we learn to love. 
No, I, I practice when I hug people, like when I hug people. Like some of you, you know, I, you, I know you don't like the hug thing. But, and so I'm kind of like, okay, you don't want to hug this week. I won't hug you. Okay. <laughs> you know? and, but when I hug people, I always kind of check my height. I go, I want to hug somebody to the point where when I hug them, they know that I love them. Even if I just met them last month or whatever, I want to hug people and I know that when I'm hugging them, I'm hugging them with my heart. And so when you know that I haven't hugged anybody, <laughs> you know something's wrong. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, it's one of those weeks, eh? Okay. <laughs> but it is the most practical thing that I do. And, and you know, we practice. We practice on each other a lot of the time. Um, we practice because in doing so, we know the measure of where God is up to and working in us. When, you know, I, I was never a hug person <laughs> when I came to, became to Christianity. Now I hug everybody. And I'm like, there's a miracle. <laughs> um, and the whole thing of the value of church in the heart of God. It's a big deal to him. It's a big deal to him even more so in the months to come. That's the reason why is because we fight for each other. We go after each other when we're in the darkest places and we feel like we're going insane and we can't hold on to faith. It's one of the things that have happened to me several times in this house when I've lost completely no hope and no faith. And I know... I can't go anywhere because they'll find me. They know where I live, and I can't. So I just have to show up. But their faith rises to surround you. When you have no hope, they will hope for you. When you have no faith, their faith will sustain you. And it is the... Because a lot of the times, you know, in the book of John, it says when their deeds are evil, they don't like coming to the light. That's what we do when we're actually struggling. We want to be left alone to heal, like cats. You know, when cats are wounded, they don't like, they go and find somewhere to hide. <laughs> and I, we lost a cat that way. <laughs> we never saw her again. She disappeared. And I'm like, because she, yeah, never mind that story. <laughs> but that's what we do when we're wounded. When we're struggling, we go and find somewhere dark to hide. The worst thing that you could do because then the enemy finds you. And then he begins to hammer your thoughts. Begins to remind you why you're useless, why you're hopeless, and how your life and You know, all those voices that used to taunt you if you were ever bullied, you know. They, they come back to you when you're actually in a bad place. You, when you come regardless of what you're going through, those, we are a community of people that have been forged for 23 years through thick and thin, through hell and heaven, <laughs> through high mountaintops and the valleys. Um, and we've learned to call the good out of each other and to forgive the bad and to fight for each other. And the reason why that is, is because in the days to come, when being a Christian makes you un-something, 
you come to the group of people who will sustain you. You know when I stand and the, when I'm talking to my supervisors and they sound really smart and really intelligent and they're really academic and they use all these big words and they say things and I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what you just said, but I'll just look at you and smile and go, oh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see where you're going with that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there going, I could easily think these are my people, you know. <laughs> these smart people are my people, you know. This is my world now, goodbye. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there going, but when I go home, my life isn't really that great right now, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, I actually, these people are not coming with me to that place, you know. I'm leaving them here. And so, you know, if I am to, if to make them my people, I have to move here. And that's not going to happen. So I kind of go, you know, as, as impressive as you sound. Not, there is no power in what you have that could, do, that could help me in the most hardest times of my life. The story of the place that I've been and the people that I do life with, you will never understand because I try to tell them, yeah, you know, when I get off the bus, I go past a pea house and they look at me, a tinny house actually, and they look at me like, well, you know, let's not use that. <laughs> and I'm going, you don't want to know about the tinny houses? You know, I could tell you about a few of them. And they're like, no, let's just go this way. If we're going to do a social commentary, we're doing it in a different way. And I'm like, okay, live. Because a lot of the times, the world is built to insulate from pain. New Zealand at the moment has one of the highest rate of suicide in a developing nation, particularly among men. And there is, you see social media where everything has become vile and so horrendous and horrible. And you go, in nations that are so insulated from pain, why is there so much pain? Because insulation from pain does not keep, keep the pain that's in you from affecting you. When we come together as a community of people, we celebrate. I kind of try and stay away from, you know, every time we do the celebration of Southside, I try to stay away from the Southside did this and Southside did that and Southside did this and we did this. And I go, can we not? Can we return the glory? to where the glory is due. Like when my, you know, I, it's one of the things that I like to do. I like to remind people because that's got nothing to do with us. It's everything to do with Jesus. He's the only one that can hold us together. <laughs> He's the only one that has the power and the grace to hold us together. And for us to be able to still come every week and love on each other as honest as we can. And the glory has always been his. This is his journey of changing your life and mine so that we come together as diverse as we are and still look at each other and call for Jesus to arise from within us. When we come, we come to look for hope in hopeless situations. We come to ask for Jesus to remember us, 
Because sometimes, you know, you, you come in a situation like this and there are people that are leaders and you think they get all the da 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 and you're just sitting in the corner and you're like, does God even remember me? Does God even remember my struggle? Does God even know my agony in the night? Does he even know how broken this is in my life and how I prayed for this for how many years and nothing's changed? Does God even remember me? When we come together as a community, we come to draw from Jesus because we're all equal in him. We have different responsibilities. But your value and mine, no one is greater in the kingdom. Apart, you know, he says, look at children. Their faith is innocent. The way they trust is complete. When we come together as a community of people, God has knitted this house together for that one reason. I like the fact that when these guys come, you know, the noisy ones that were here this morning, um, when they come, it's the first they never left. It was, as if it was yesterday they walked out the door and now they're back. You know, it's just another Sunday. And in the history of knowing Robin and Frohley, you would know that they know quite a lot of people. But when those people come, as if, it's always as if they never left. They have held these people in their hearts for decades. And when people meet them, they carry them in their hearts. And it's one of the things about us, that when you go somewhere and you're out there and you're going through stuff, that somebody is holding you in their hearts. Because that's what intercession is. Intercession is holding somebody. And sometimes in the night when I'm standing, when I'm talking to the Lord, I have no words. There are people who are going through stuff and I go, I have no language, God, to bring to you the agony that I know they're feeling. I have no language to pray, to, to, to put to language the cry that they have. All I have is that they're in my heart. And because they're in my heart, I present them to you. And this house we have as followers of Jesus Christ, because we've never lived in a persecuted land. Frohley has. But the nature of where the Western world is going, Christianity is becoming the last thing on anybody's mind. God has been declared dead several times. I always laugh when, because there's, there's a few people that do philosophy. And they always, you know, go to, is it niche? And they, you know, he's, he's the one that said God is dead. And I always laugh and I go, yeah, the guy who said God is dead is dead. <laughs> you know? and, go, and it's like, but the church is still here. How is that? You know? <laughs> and, and, but I feel like the Lord is wanting you to, wanting us as a community of people to recognize the fact that we need to, it's like when I think the Lord of the Rings, when the final army was formed and there was the wall in front of him and there was Aragorn and he had to do that speech to rouse his men together because it's the final battle and they have to move really, really tightly together. And I feel like that's what I see the Lord doing, pushing the community of faith together. 
like pu pushing us together, not geographically. Of course, I don't want to be your neighbor, and you definitely do not want to be mine. Because <laughs> I'd be going, oh, wow, you guys are doing that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's why we're not neighbors. Um, and so, but he is pulling the hearts of the people together. And the two that we have to huddle together in faith. It's, a, it's that season of huddling together. And in the huddling together, we protect the children amongst us. The huddling together by faith because we have to in order to actually survive. It's no long, we're not heading into a season of I have this and I have that. We are heading into a season where our faith must survive. Our compromise must go and our faith must survive because we return to Jesus. The reason why the Lord was asking the church to return to him because the days ahead, that's the only thing that will keep you going is because you're convinced inside that with everything in me, I love Jesus. And it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. I know like I know like I know that I love him enough to be willing to actually for you to call me whatever you want to call me. I don't care because I have met him. I have seen the eyes of love and I know what it is. There is nothing any other human can do to me that will convince me that they love me enough because I know what love feels like and what it looks like. That's why Jesus is calling the church back to him because that's the fire that must burn in us of a love for Jesus so fierce, so uncompromising that we rise to meet whatever the world is going to bring against the church. It's not going to be just about you and me. It's going to be about the church. And has believers of Jesus, this thing of you and us, you got this and I haven't got that, you're this and I'm not, da, 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 da. get rid of that. Because all it comes down to is the fact that we must fight for each other's faith. To sustain each other to the end of the day where we take our last breath and we know the next face we're going to see when we, when we go past that veil is his face. It is worth doing. But with the way things are going, if you never ventured outside of the walls of a church into the real world, as they say, you would think we're safe. Until you stand in the middle of a university and you know none of them know anything about God and none of them care because to them the church is a, an ancient thing that doesn't work anymore. And who wants to go that back to that? And you realize, oh, we are actually a minority. We're actually a minority. We're people that hold on to an ancient faith that comes down from generations to us, and we're a minority. Oh, oh, okay. And everything then begins to hammer your faith because they are so convinced that you're an idiot. This is why the Lord wants to awaken the power from within us to do the deeds for the kingdom. You know, we always ask, Lord, come, when the Lord already lives in you. You know, when somebody comes up for prayer and you don't really, you, you really want to kind of move in power, and you see somebody and you go, I don't know if they'll get healed. Try anyway. 
You bring somebody with you and go, can we go pray for her? I don't know how to pray, but I really feel I want to go pray for her. Go pray for them. Because they can have 10 people that have been Christians for 10 years, and they will be saying all this stuff. And then you come along and you say the word, and that's the word that we're waiting to hear. That's the word. Never, ever, ever underestimate the the fact that God of the universe lives in you. And that he will always give you something. This is why I say to people, do not look at what you have or don't have. Don't ever. You have the resources of eternity living in you. You know, when I, because when I was preparing this message, I had three messages. And I'm like, okay, last week I prepared this message. I wrote some notes. Robin will be happy to know. And I wrote some notes. And I'm like, this is a message I really want to preach. And da 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 And then yesterday I was reading something and going, no. No, no, I think this is the message. So I wrote some more notes for that message. And then I, this morning I woke up and the Lord said, well, actually, this is your message. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going, okay, I, I don't have any faith in my brain's ability to hold all of those thoughts together, but I know God does. <laughs> you know, he's pretty smart. And so you'll get me to say something that's meaningful to you, you know. Um, and and I have learned over the years of walking with him that because I'm willing to put my hand on somebody, he will use me. Because I'm willing to look at somebody's pain and go, Lord, I, I want to give them something that will give them a light of hope at the end of this week or during this week. I don't have anything right now, but you are the resources of everything that we need. So if I just put my hand on them, And I do it, the more you do it, the more you don't put your faith in yourself, the more you know how much he loves humanity. It doesn't matter who it is when you meet with people and you know, because I know there was a time, you know, which I was thinking about, because I did floristry with MIT, and I know you're all hungry, so I'll get to the point. Um, And I, I was doing floristry with MIT, and this woman comes up to me, and she says this to me, I don't know, I know there's something about you. And I'm like, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. I didn't say that, but I was like, that's Jesus, yay, yay, yay. Somebody sees Jesus on me, oh. (laughs) And then I realized that I haven't heard that for the last 10 years. And I'm like, oh dear, (laughs) I think Jesus has, you know, gone into hiding. And I'm like, oh dear. But then it really, really troubled me. I'm like, I have not, because of one of the first prayers I said to Jesus when I heard that scripture says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is a good one. I said to the Lord, (laughs) I said to the Lord, Lord, I want people that when they meet me, they will see you looking at them through my eyes. That you would live so much in me that when people meet me, they can look in my eyes and see you in there and see and meet you. Not me. It hasn't been answered yet. <laughs> but but it's, a, you know, it's a work in progress. <laughs> and I'm still, and, and don't you dare come up to me today at lunch and say, ooh, I see Jesus in you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's a work in progress, and it's still my one desire. It's like, because there are people even people who are not Christians, you meet them and you see Jesus looking at you through their eyes and you're going, 
How is that? You know, if you ever meet certain, there are certain fathers of the faith, like elderly people that have been Christians for years, and some of them, when you meet them, you go, oh my gosh. There is something about the presence of Jesus that sits on them in such a way that when you meet them, you don't, you forget that you met them. You just feel like you met Jesus. And I'm like, that's my goal. <laughs> I want to walk in and go, wow, you, you know, Jesus, look at me and go, wow, you look like me. <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> Never mind, forget that one. Okay. <laughs> so, so I hope that you got something from that. Remember your family. Remember who they are. I'm not talking about your mother and father and all your, because remembering them might get you to, you to trauma, you know. <laughs> but remember the family of faith that you have. Because we look after each other, we fight for each other, and you, may, you don't believe this because you've not been in the midst of us. But we have stories to tell you about the things we have to intercede for for each other and our kids. We've been doing this for the last 20-something years. And in the next, the Lord wants the church to huddle together, to look out for each other, to protect each other, to put things in the ground so that when the famine hits the land, the church will shine. So that's me to you, hopefully. <laughs> And you took something from there. And by the way, happy birthday. <laughs> so, shall we pray? Okay, please stand. <laughs> so, whatever you came with this morning that's heavy on your heart, Whatever has been, has cut into you this week or even the last few weeks. And the Lord is touching it and you don't want it undone in this space. I understand that. But I also know the Lord wants you to present it to him. So that you have room to hope. So Jesus, we, here we are. Our Redeemer and our friend, the one who died for us and paid the price for our sins. But more than that, you love us still. We present ourselves before you and we come as people, Lord God, that we live in life. But you are our hope. You're our friend. You are for us. When we have nothing, Lord God, you are everything. When we are at the bottom, you know the way back out. And so we present ourselves to you and we present the pains and everything, oh God, that we brought this morning. Oh, we just give it to you. We trust you with our children. We trust you with our families. We trust you with all the people, oh God, that we carry in our hearts. We trust our circumstances, stances to you. We trust our resources to you. Because, Lord, where can we go when you have the words of life? Who can we go to when you're our hope, our everything? We want to love on you. We want to thank you for everything.
Is there any words of knowledge? Okay. If you have anything that you need prayer for, come, please come forward because we, that's what we're here for. We're here to minister to each other. So if you have anything that's really heavy on your heart and you want to just release it to the Lord and you need someone to 